Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kep. As always, I'm joined by the president of the Connor Bazelak fan club, Will Murden. How is it going tonight, Will? Here and present in person. What's going on, my man? Uh, not much. I'm not sitting in the dark. You are. So talk us through this situation. I get to see the, uh, the, the screens just lighting up your face, which is good. But apart from that, it's a little creepy. Yes, no, in the studio today, uh, I have one other with me who is now sound asleep uh, down there on the, the corner couch. So she's tucked off but would not stick in bed tonight. So I've had to bring her along. We, uh, we may get some special comments at some point during the show here, but we'll see how it goes. All right, uh, we have got a, another big show in readiness for week nine of college football. Uh, we've got game previews to get through, and there's not, just off the top, there's not a lot of super great matchups, I don't think. There's enough to intrigue, there's enough to like, um, but probably lacking the star power at the top, I think. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've only got the one uh, ranked matchup this week, so mm-hmm. right off of that, you kind of look around and go, mm, we're not seeing potentially those those heavy hitters going head to head but there's still plenty of juicy matchups plenty of intrigue with all of this and uh, as with everything in the big 10 at the moment we don't know where they really stand we've only had the one week's uh sample size so we're going to learn a lot more about them this week too all right let's get into a quick bit of news Kylan Hill, the all-SEC running back at Mississippi State, has opted out, or it appears to be that way for season 2020. Does this one make sense, Will? Uh, I guess it makes sense. He's only had something like 15 carries on the year so far, which is just a bit of a joke uh, with the talent that he's had. He had what I'm thinking and hearing was a suspension uh, when he missed a week that has kind of been ruled as just out for that week. Uh, so the guy needs to get himself right for the NFL. He's not going to do himself any favours by sticking around. And again, I think just, I'm going to continue to point this one out, but I think we're going to see this more and more and more into the future as players and teams aren't going so well, they'll just opt out. Game day is at the Masters. Your thoughts on this one, Will? Yeah, this is a new one. So exciting times that on November 14th, the game day crew have decided to take it to Masters where that will be happening and they're going to host it from there. And I think that'll be a pretty special atmosphere, a bit of a weird crossover of crowds. Uh, you'd almost certainly see a Washington State flag in there somewhere, but <laughs> it, uh, it'll be a hell of a one. Like These are two things that I think we would really enjoy coming together like a, a big masters golf day i know we're both not big golf guys but we like sinking tins and i think that masters day is just essentially that uh yeah. covered with everything that comes along with game day it'd, it'd be an awesome thing to go and i think it's gonna be hard to get tickets to firstly with the current environment that we're in but secondly there's going to be a lot of demand for that for sure uh lane kiffin gets 25 thousand dollar slap on the wrist for a little bit of whinging i don't know the full extent of this one but he's got some maths problems as well so yeah nothing like to the old miss headman nothing like a twenty five thousand dollar retweet so he copped the fine for retweeting someone's uh disdain towards the officiating that they had on the weekend which was a fair call so he's gone out and retweeted that the sec have come out and also agreed and said, yep, shit call, our bad. And then in the same movement have said, and you're going to wear a $25,000 fine. So in response to that, he's come out and said, all right, uh, does anyone know where I can get 25,000 pennies from to pay the fine? Obviously uh, not quite comprehending the fact that 25,000 pennies does not really stack up to $25,000. So... (laughs) It'd take 25 million pennies to get that job done there. But uh, no, a bit of banter. It's all good. That's what we knew he was going to bring to the conference. So it's so good fun there. The last one that I will touch on is the recruiting proposition. It's been sort of circulated for a few weeks now, but this is the one where players get a free transfer. 
not under the current rules and current stipulations that any player that transfers from one school to another must sit out a year and use up a year of eligibility. That's been going on for forever. But there is a proposition that players can get one free transfer. So if they were to transfer, they would not need to go and apply for an NCAA waiver. They could be eligible to play straight away. No questions asked. If they were to do it a second time, of course, then we go back to the old school rules. Your thoughts on this? I think this one's a little bit dangerous, but your thoughts on this one, Will? It is. It really is opening up a bit of a free agency uh, market mm-hmm. within the college football ranks. So I'm not all that keen on it. I I think it's interesting because there are multiple sides to this argument. There, there's one that it, it strengthens the position for the players, which is obviously a good thing because they are the lifeblood of this sport and we want them having as much opportunity as possible. But then it also doesn't instill some of the things that you, you want to see in a college football program that you want these kids uh, having to, to work through and overcome in that you shouldn't just necessarily be given an opportunity to to back away from something and, and move over when when times get tough we want to see people step up against this adversity and stick it out and and then you know earn, earn their stripes at, at wherever there are so I see both sides of it I think it's probably uh, going to happen at some point whether it's it's with this coming proposal or as we continue to push forward and college football becomes more professionalized it, it just feels like it's uh, certainly on the cards but I'm not I'm not 100% sold on it what are your thoughts mate yeah I am not a massive fan of it I think it it really hinders a couple of different groups of people I think outside of the top echelon schools everything below that is really going to struggle because uh they need to continue to recruit their own players. If you go to a group of five school and after two years of putting up some really good film, Auburn comes knocking, Alabama comes knocking and they come with some, uh, you know, maybe some incentives that say, yeah, come play for us. You've got coaches not only struggling to recruit high school kids, but they're having to recruit their own kids to stay there. So I think that's a little bit dangerous. It also is harsh on the kids that are the developmental prospects coming out of high school. Coaches are less likely to take flyers on those kids when they can go and look to poach some players from a different school and say, listen, I know this guy's got two years of good tape. Let's take him rather than taking this raw defensive end product. Um, so I think there's some there's some things that need to be nutted out about that because I think there's some concerning things there. And I think Oklahoma State is probably in the classic position where you could get pillaged because you're like they're not a heavy recruiting kind of area. They're a little bit more remote. And if a kid gets an offer from a Texas or a, an SEC school out of Oklahoma State, um, you know, maybe they take that. And I, I think that's it, a little bit dangerous. I see it swinging both ways, though. I see the four-star kid who signed at Texas, the, you know, 15th four-star of, of that recruiting class, as opposed to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, who only had one the year before. The, the, fifth, the 15th kid who is not getting the game time that he expected. Like, he was a superstar at high school level. He's gone mm-hmm. to Texas. He sat his full first year. He's now in his second year, and he's not getting any playing time there. He looks across. He sees Oklahoma State. He's got Oklahoma State on the phone calling him every day saying, hey, we've got an open spot for you. Like, you will walk in and start at this spot. And that's not just Oklahoma State. That's every kind of tiered down school. Mm. I think it will work both ways there, and there'll be opportunities for kids who potentially – thought that they were going to be the man at a blue blood program and are not to to earn some playing time elsewhere yep hey that all makes sense uh, and most of these things as we move forward into the future tend to work themselves out anyway uh, it's just the unknown is probably more scary than anything at this stage okay let's move on to some fair dinkums uh hit us with something will i know you've got something good this week or so i hear Okay, so there's been rumblings in the news uh, throughout this week that with how terrible the New York Jets are looking at the moment, that Trevor Lawrence, the presumptive number one pick this year, may potentially come back to Clemson this year for another year of college football so as to avoid the dumpster fire that is that football program at the moment in in the New York football Jets. Uh my fair dinkum statement to that is that there is no way in hell, and nor should he, 
return back to Clemson for another year. No, I 100% agree. I, I don't think that is what will happen, and I don't think he should either. I understand the sentiment. We've heard this from Chase Young even mentioned it. Oh, I might come back or... His probably wasn't because he was afraid of going to a different uh, to a certain ball club. But even Joe Burrow, um, it was probably sensationalized in the media a fraction when he was talking about, oh, I don't, you know, I'll be happy to go wherever I go, but whatever. Um, kind of made it sound like he wasn't that excited to go to the Cincinnati Bengals, which is where he ended up. Uh, I mean, the New York Jets are a mess, and I don't want this to become too NFL-y at the moment, but obviously Adam Gase is, he just needs to go. I think if he got flicked and the entire staff went, you'd automatically feel better about that. On the From the Trevor Lawrence perspective, even if he elects not to go to the NFL next year, he's not playing for Clemson. Like he might say, yeah, I'm returning to school to finish my degree and I'll play next year. And then he won't. He'll opt out straight away. He's not playing. It would just be a move to avoid the New York Jets. And that's such a New York Jets thing to happen as well. Um, but but um, yeah, that would be the only way in which that would happen. I think that if he was that adamant he wasn't going to play for the Jets, that he could actually demand the trade a la Eli Manning slash... Who was the other one involved in that? Philip Rivers. Oh, Philip, Philip Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and roll that kind of play. I think you'd be better off with that because someone will mortgage the farm for him. Yeah. But there's oh, no look, way. There's no way he should stay at school. I just don't think he's that sort of kid. Uh, I can't see yeah, and that, that scenario playing out. Uh, but I, w- I would like to point out that all of the kids that you talked about there who've mentioned that, your Joe Burrow, your uh, Trevor Lawrence here and Chase Young are all coming from programs who are having great success at the time. And, and that's a big mm. part of it. They, they, it's a cultural thing that when you're in and amongst something that is having success and you've bought into 100%, it's tough to look at something else, even if it is getting paid tens of millions of dollars, looking at that and saying, oh yeah, you know, I, I can't wait to get out of here. Of course, there's going to be some sort of part of you that wants to stick around with the brotherhood that you formed at that group. So when you hear that, you know that that culture is on the right trajectory and, and the, pl- the players are buying in there. So it's a real positive thing for that football program and the coaches that are running that. And just to be clear, these are nothing but rumours at this stage as well. On top of that, we don't know. Trevor Lawrence might not be a good NFL quarterback. Like that could That is a thing. Mm, that's the most ridiculous thing I've heard on this podcast <laughs> for quite some time. <laughs> All right. Well, we, this might be the second most ridiculous thing you hear because my fair dinkum is Dylan Gabriel is the second best quarterback in college football. Now, I've just spoken about Trevor Lawrence. He'll take the top rung. We all know about that. But this is a guy who has thrown for under 400 yards just once this year. Only once in five goes around has he thrown for less than 400 yards. 19 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's upped his completion percentage to 64%. He moves well in the pocket. He can zing it downfield. You know, give me a reason as to why he is not considered one of the top two or three quarterbacks. The, the top two, that, that's a significant reach there, my friend. Top 12, I could buy into this argument. Top two is a bit ridiculous. And yes, he has put up some serious air yards across the year there, and, and that's impressive. He's also done that on the back of 19 touchdowns with only two turnovers. But you say he's upped his completion percentage to nearly 65%. That ain't great. That ain't getting it done with the top echelon of college quarterbacks Cam Newton won an MVP at less than that in the NFL so yeah he was also running over middle (laughs) linebackers whilst doing that he's a different beast Mac Jones for comparison this year on what we're saying you're gonna give me okay what about Graham Mertz and Justin Fields how about we throw them out there but I'm just saying from a from a completion percentage standpoint 78% 78% is where Mac Jones is at. 78% is where Zach Wilson is at. 64% just doesn't stack up to those ones. And and like I'm I'm not needing to take in Graham Mertz who completed at 95% and Justin Fields who completed at 95%. Like Mertz we're not going to see for most of this year now, which is really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. So so let's take him out of the equation. Justin Fields, we've seen it on the field. We've seen it all of last year. He was ultra-efficient. He is a true dual-threat guy as well, so he automatically jumps over the top of him there. I haven't even mentioned my boy, Connor Bazelak, who is just starting out, but ooh-wee, <laughs> looking I mean, really, I, d- really I don't dangerous. honestly believe this 
um, believe this either. And I think if we're looking at it from a from an NFL perspective, uh, then you know at six foot and uh, 180 pounds, yeah, like he's probably not holding up as an NFL body. But I guess he's put up some fucking impressive numbers, some really impressive numbers. He has, yeah. You got to you got to pay respect where it's due. That's fair. Okay, let's get into some game previews. Like I said, I don't think there is anything super special looking at the paper here. So we're going to go in alphabetical order. So let's start in the ACC. Boston College visit Clemson. You love those Boston College Eagles. So how close can they make this one against the Tigers? Not at all close. They are going to get <laughs> annihilated. This is, this is not the week I'll be pulling out my Boston College polo shirt. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that will be staying tucked away in the back of the closet there. Okay, Wake Forest looks to extend to a th- uh, sorry, it looks to extend a three-game winning streak to four against Syracuse. The Carrier Dome has always been a weird place to play, not as weird this year. Um, a consistent Sam Hartman at quarterback and a tough defense should see them through against a pretty mediocre Syracuse team, I think. Can I play my chaos game off the off the bat here? Oh, he's gone early. I'm not even ready, dude. Uh, I, what am I after here? It's just when I feel it in my loins. Just want to watch the world burn. You're picking Syracuse? <laughs> I'm picking Syracuse to win this game. They have no right winning this game. Wake Forest have been very good, uh, especially on the back of their win over Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech last week. Uh, and, and looking quite good and comfortable in that one. For mine, Syracuse are just a weird team like, uh, like this. Uh, that Carrier Dome, as you mentioned, can be a tough place to play. And they showed a bit of spark last week, putting up 21 points against Clemson's seconds. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, they're in that game in the third quarter. They're only down by six in the third quarter. So, Correct. I, I think that whilst they'd be super disappointed with how things have gone they've suffered injuries they've had opt-outs and they've only had the one win against a pretty woeful Georgia Tech team I think this is one that they can really shake things up as proper underdogs I don't think Wake Forest are going to enjoy that heavy favorite title that they'll be wearing into this one Uh, they're just not used to it Uh, so on that logic alone I'm, I'm back in Syracuse in in this one yeah, I'm taking Wake Forest defense to shut down Syracuse. I don't think this one's particularly close. All right, Notre Dame look to destroy Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium, a really nice stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I think the wheels continue to look wobbly for Reckham Tech um, since that uh, Clemson blowout. They didn't look great last week, and I don't think they're going to look any good again this week against a Notre Dame team that is starting to get their play into action Ian Book's looking to push the ball downfield a little bit more he's got some guys on the outside that can at least jump and catch the ball whether they're true like deep shot in stride hits or not but they've got some athletic guys on the outside um, and a couple of running backs it should be pretty good so no reason to think that Georgia Tech will give them a shake next week the only thing I would be worried about as a Notre Dame fan is that they have Clemson on deck the week after this is a proper look ahead game I'm not saying they're going to lose this but that's the only reason I see uh, Georgia Tech managing to cover this 20 point line okay Virginia Tech head to Louisville I think this is the pick maybe Maybe, maybe next one as well. Uh, but I think this is the pick of the ACC games. Virginia Tech are looking to bounce back after a, a disappointing showing um, last week. And Louisville have been pretty reasonable in back-to-back weeks. Notre Dame and then trouncing Florida State last week. Their running game continues to be a strength. With 2-2 Atwell on the outside. And I always want to say Mikhail, but Malik Cunningham starting to ease his way into the season. I think I think we're going to see more of the Louisville we expected um, rather than what they opened the season with. On the Virginia Tech side, uh, I think they've got more talent across the board. I, I still don't know how I feel about Justin Fuente, their head man there, but they need to correct their third down issues. They need to not turn the ball over so much because if you do that, I think Louisville are going to get you. Um, I think this one's really, really tight and a really entertaining game. It'll just be, can Hendon Hooker uh, get that running game going? And if he can, I think Louisville revert back to some poor rush defense and Virginia Tech probably do this one okay. If not, 
if they turn the ball over, if you give Louisville short fields, ooh, this could this could get ugly, I think, for Tech. So this one looks to be a really entertaining one. Yeah, to be honest, this is a game that both teams have kind of lost their shine for me on mm. the year. Like They've both had disappointing losses now that have really ruled them out of contention in their conference, which they're probably never in anyways. But they they are not looking like they're going to be the contenders trying to swing in. Like, it's Miami who's filling that role. It's not these two teams here. Uh, they have the playmakers, as you mentioned. Tutu Atwell is an absolute baller at uh, Louisville, mm-hmm. and, and Malik Cunningham, uh, the quarterback there, is dynamic and, and fun. But for mine, the inconsistency we've seen from Louisville is just infuriating, and Virginia Tech's a bit the same to be honest. So I, I'm not all that thrilled and it's certainly one that I won't be scrambling for the remote for. Okay, uh, let's push on. Virginia tackle a ever hotter North Carolina team. Virginia played Miami tight last week and, and North Carolina blew out a team in NC State for the first time this year. Virginia was stout up front defensively. I thought they were fantastic uh, on the interior of that defensive line. And, and they do stop the run effectively, which is going to be important against possibly the best running back tandem in the country in Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Uh, really, really good running backs. They're going to test the edges of that defense more often. There's more eye candy in that Phil Longo, North Carolina offense. But where you can get Virginia is in the passing game. And I think Sam Howe is in for a monster day through the air. They're averaging 37 points per game at the moment, the heels. And I think that they will get that comfortably. And then it's just a matter of holding off whichever one of the 17 quarterbacks Virginia trot out there on any particular play. But no reason to think that North Carolina aren't going to handle the, um, the Cavs in this one. Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head in your assessment that Virginia have a really stout run defense, and they showed out last week against Miami, and that's North Carolina's strength. They like to run the ball with that two-headed backfield that they've got, but that said, this Virginia team is not very good outside of that, and this North Mm. Carolina team isn't a one-trick pony. They've got more than that. Sam Howe has shown he can get it done there, so... I think North Carolina's defense and uh, Big Sage Surratt will stand up in this one and really show out, keep them under two scores, or uh, 14 or under points, and, and they should win this one comfortably. Yeah, I mean, Virginia, yeah. I mean, they're not high scoring by any means, but they have managed to put, they put more points on uh, Clemson than that. So um, we will wait and see. All right, let's push into, we're going to go group of five next, staying in alphabetical order. We're going to the American. So Cincinnati face their second of two big tests as they host, or two consecutive big tests, as they host Memphis this week. Memphis aren't as good as previous years, but Brady White is still doing good things. Um, and Desmond Ritter for the Bearcats has been a little inconsistent, can turn the ball over at times. I think if Memphis can win that turnover battle and then you know work on short fields, and if they can just squeeze enough out of their offense, I think they can get Cincinnati. Um, but the Bearcats have to go in feeling pretty confident with an awesome defense that they have. Yeah, I have this one as a, a really... Like it's a coin flip for me, and and that's because of the impressive way that Memphis have been able to stack up against Cincinnati in the past. So uh, they won both games, both of their matchups last year uh, in the conference matchup, and then the repeated conference championship game that they had. Uh, Memphis did, but having said that, this Cincinnati team is better than last year's team. This defense is legit. It's a top five unit in the country, not just group of five. I'm talking all teams. I think they are legitimately that talented. And the other thing that they've got going for them is that they've won 15 consecutive home games. That's a proper home game ground advantage that these guys are playing with. So I'm backing in Desmond Ritter to get the job here. But my confidence level is quite low in this one, just purely based on the fact that this Memphis team is a good unit. They'll be they'll be in it, and it's going to be a one-score game. It's going to come down to who can execute uh, in when it comes to crunch time. Okay, cool. Moving on to UCF and Houston. Houston needs to win this if they are any shot in the American because they have lost a few games to the COVID, not necessarily losing games. They're actually... 
undefeated in conference at the moment. So, But they both have high-power offenses, and this one, to me, should be really, really entertaining. They, they match up very similarly. It'll be the offensive. There'll be a lot of yards put up, uh, a lot of points, hopefully. Uh, I think this one could be okay as Dana Holgerson hopefully gets Houston on track after an awkward year last year and then a strange start to this year with all those games being cancelled. UCF haven't been what they have been despite having the second best quarterback in the country uh, at the reins. Uh, I probably lean UCF, but not with any confidence whatsoever. Yeah, it is. This is going to be a tight one. You're right. I'm with you on your UCF pick, I think. They're a good team who have lost to... Uh, they dropped to Memphis, who we just talked about, who, are, who I rate, and Tulsa, who are a le- real legit team, and, and I think a bit of a smoky in the American here. Smoky so, for what? Smoky for what? Just beating teams. <laughs> okay. A lot of Good. smoke there for that. So I don't know. Yeah, like as, as you mentioned, UCF's offense is just lights out, and and they're continuing. That they're, they're putting up seven touchdowns plus every game they play this year, and and I think that continues to happen against this uh, porous Houston defense. It, it's not something that they have going for them. So it it is going to be a bit of a shootout. I think Houston might struggle to keep up with your boy Dylan Gabriel, and I'm um, back in the Knights in this one. All right, let's cruise across to the Big 12. Let's start with, uh, I guess, the biggest matchup. Texas head to Oklahoma State. I don't have any great Texas thoughts uh, at this stage. I haven't been super impressed with their offense since the Oklahoma game, uh, so more or less just recently. Uh, <laughs> but Oklahoma State's defense will be too strong. Do you have any concerns about this one? I feel like this has got to be the most confident Oklahoma State has gone into a Texas matchup in a few years, surely. Uh- I think Oklahoma State's recent record against Texas is actually quite good uh, from memory. Like if we talk the last 10 years compared to the previous, you know, 90 before that or whenever they were going, the the numbers have been really positive for Oklahoma State. Uh, But you you can't write off this Texas team. Yes, they've had a couple of losses in conference, but they're always going to be a tough out for everyone. Not just a tough out, like they're going to have a playmakers all over the field they're probably going to have match up from a pure athletic standpoint even better than what Oklahoma State have to offer so you've got to respect that and and in that you know Oklahoma State's lucky this game's being played at home for them that, that, that's a big one for them we've seen what Sam Ellinger can do he, he is a legit quarterback yes the losses have certainly worn off the shine on his season and any hopes that he had but he was in that Heisman conversation he was putting up the numbers he was getting his team going and then that's kind of fallen off the cliff but that's not to say that spark can't come back up at least from his playmaking side I think obviously in terms of winning any postseason awards or anything like that off the table but he's still playing for an NFL career potentially and and that was around the mark for him so I am very cautious about that Uh, you just look at the sorts of teams that have been losing and where they're ranked like Oklahoma State is just smack back bang in that bracket where we just Mm. see teams drop like you've got the top four up there smoking teams and Oklahoma State have not been winning in convincing fashion yes last week they were you know comfortable enough but it was still a three-point game you want to be having your comfortable games where it's two two touchdowns like and that's kind of oh the other team felt like they were in it it was two touchdowns that's certainly not been the case for Oklahoma State they're not putting teams away they're relying on that defense and the offense just isn't getting it done to the level that we're probably used to there. So until we start to see that click, they're going to be susceptible to a team that manages a block punt or gets a defensive score or or, or something crazy like that. You're always going to be at risk of that. So until we start to see a bit more from Oklahoma State, I think I'll continue to be a bit nervous there. I, I, I want this one to be a little frantic, so hopefully that happens. You probably won't, but I hope things get a little weird there. Kansas State travel to West Virginia. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I'm taking the Mountaineers. I know they're favourites in this one, so it's a bit of a dog move. <laughs> it's a real dog move. But, um, <laughs> and especially like Kansas State have got... You know, I'll pick another one, but Kansas State have... We don't know what they're going to get out of their standing quarterback, Will Howard. Obviously, Skylar Thompson's out. Uh, 
and West Virginia were disappointing against Texas Tech, so they're going to look to bounce back. K-State potentially are looking forward because they have got Oklahoma State the following week, and that at this stage is matching up as a battle for supremacy in the Big 12. Jarrett Doge is the better quarterback and will put up some numbers, you would think. If K-State's defense can hold up, then maybe. But I'm going to say Kansas State fall flat in this one and they come back down to earth. Well, I'm right with you. Like, when I saw this matchup, the fact that it's in Morgantown, yeah. I have very little confidence that the Wildcats can continue their role at the moment. So after dropping that first Arkansas State, they've won four on the bounce, including a victory over Oklahoma. So credit there. But it, we're talking about not convincing with Oklahoma State. Uh, Kansas State are, are certainly in that bucket. And they uh, are, have lost their starting quarterback, as you mentioned, Skylar Thompson. They have given up fair amounts of chunks through the air to teams. And I think that um, the Mountaineers can certainly take advantage of that. And is it Seth Dode? Doji, yeah, sorry, Seth Doge, uh, can really step up and put up some serious numbers in this one, and and I have the Mountaineers getting it done relatively comfortably in my mind. Okay, there you go. All right, TCU and Baylor square off. I know we're very short on these, but we do have a propensity to run over time, so we're trying to blitz through a little bit. I don't think much of either of these two teams. TCU's that have been really up and down on offense. Max Duggan has looked okay through the air at times. But unfortunately, he's the team's leading rusher with 150 yards on the ground. That's not good. Their offense was okay against Texas and Iowa State, scoring over 30 both times, but bad against K-State and Oklahoma in the last two weeks. I think TCU win this, but I don't think it's because their offense. I think it's because of Baylor's. They are rough. Charlie Brewer is not being protected at all well. The only team worse offensively in the Big 12 in yards and points is Kansas which means you're effectively the worst team in the Big 12 because I don't know if we count Kansas as a team. Um, but I'm hot and cold on TCU, but Baylor are not good. I don't think they win this one. I don't even think it. they really go looking close at all. And this is a team that looks so different from the one that was in the Big 12 championship game less than 12 months ago. Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, these two teams are very similar to that Louisville-Virginia uh, Tech game where they're, they're both lost relevance. Like uh, Nothing about this matchup excites me. I can't go into it with any great confidence knowing what TCU have been serving up because they might be really good or they might also be shit out. So Baylor just need to continue to try and develop and, and move forward. This is a rebuilding year for them. Uh, but outside of that, I'm, I've really got no clue who's going to walk away with that one. Okay, Iowa State head to Kansas and Oklahoma head to Texas Tech in Lubbock. Any thoughts on those two games? I believe the favorites in those two should both walk away with comfortable victories. Okay, in the Big Ten, the best game is the one that starts latest, so let's get going there. Penn State and Ohio State, this was going to be the matchup of all matchups until Penn State decided it would hand a win to Indiana. Uh, I'm not trying to have too many overreactions to Week 1, so where are you at with this game? Before I dive in, what are your thoughts on the Penn State-Ohio State matchup? I don't just want to jump in here and say Ohio State are going to win by 50 points because Penn State stuck and Ohio State are really good. I don't think that's true. I think one week's games is unfair, obviously, to judge either of these two teams. But where do you come down on the ledger here? Well, I think we were looking at a fairly convincing win before Penn State dropped this first game, to be honest. Uh, as soon as Micah Parsons uh, opted out, that was a massive hit for this Penn State program. And going up against a, a team that is primed for a national championship run in Ohio State, like th this is a legitimate unit, you need to have everything going for you. And it just doesn't seem to be the case. So I do not feel great about the chances for this Penn State team. Yes, you know, it, it's not going to be a massive margin. They're going to be able to keep it close and, and hang with them. Uh, but that hanging with them means that they lose by two touchdowns and aren't able to really push a side that is just much better than them. 
Yeah, I think more talented, but I actually believe after looking, and I said I wasn't going to have any major overreactions, but I think Ohio State potentially take a little step back from what we saw last year. This Buckeye defensive front, I think, can be run on a bit. They don't have the weapons along that defensive line with the Boses or Chase Young or any of those freaks. Um, I know they're more pass rushes, but they were stout against the run. Chase Young was disruptive against the run as well. Tough ball and Pete Werner are stout at linebacker, don't get me wrong. But that defensive line is good, but not great. The running back position, Trey Sermon and Master Teague are not J.K. Dobbins, even if you put them together. Justin Fields is doing a lot of work with his legs, so he needs some support from the running back position. Don't get me wrong, they're still an elite team. They won by a truckload last week, and they're going to improve from week one to week two. But I think they can be got. I don't think it's by Penn State, and I don't think it's this week, but... There's something about this Ohio State team that, whilst they're good, they don't feel the same team that's up there with Alabama and Clemson at this stage. Uh, I, I think Penn State can actually keep this close. Now, they need to be perfect, and Sean Clifford needs to be perfect. That means he can't turn the ball over, which he has done in the past. They need to keep Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Justin Fields somehow in check. I don't think Penn State have got the playmakers on the outside to do that, and and. Ohio State probably do this at a canter, but I I still I, I, I need to see them defensively up front control the line of scrimmage to me for me to feel like and this is what we're talking already is Ohio State versus Alabama or Clemson for me to feel really confident about them going into those matchups later in the year I need to see them dominate the line of scrimmage on Saturday. Geez, that fifty-two to seventeen win over Nebraska really hasn't left a good impression on you. Yet. <laughs> Like I you've just don't seen think Nebraska, that, but Nebraska's not very really good. I mean, no, but I don't know what more you want from a higher state. Yeah, I, I guess like you start looking at what what Ohio State want, and they want national championships. So you actually start looking beyond the Big Ten. Well, you look to Michigan, and then you look into the play. That's what you're getting compared to. I know they can only beat who's in front of them, but and. I still think Ohio State win this by a large margin. I still think they're fantastic. They're not perfect. I think Ohio State have had better teams in the past that have lost. I think Clemson's a better team than what they were last year. And they lost to Clemson last year. And I think Ohio State's better. So, uh, yeah, I just think that when you when you start doing those matchups, which again, no overreactions, it's only one week, um, that I just, I, I want to see them dominate in all facets of the game. And I think they will. Yeah. That okay. is they, uh, as I fall flat there at the finish. Where do you feel... How do you feel about this 11.5 point line? What side are you taking of that? I'd be taking minus... I'd be taking a high state minus 11.5. I don't do think, think Penn cover? State are very good. But um, I think a high state cover that. But again, am I overreacting to Penn State's poor play? I, Hard to know. I probably steer away from it. If I've learned anything this year, I'm not betting on teams and conferences that are one week in. I know you can't help yourself, but I would just steer away from it because I, I don't feel confident. Penn State could this week just come out and play 20% better, not turn the ball over, and they probably they don't win, but they would cover that, I would think. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I think this is one to steer clear from if you are having a bet, uh, but I do also like Ohio State to cover that that one there. Okay, I've got more questions than answers about the rest of these games, so let's dive into it. Minnesota look to bounce back against Maryland. Are Maryland the worst team in the Big Ten? Are Minnesota and their offense going to click after what looked like a, a relatively uncomfortable game for Tanner Morgan and that offense. And is that defense as bad as what they were made to look against Ohio State? I'm a pretty simple being, so putting all those questions out to yeah, me... Yeah, I know is, that. These, are, these just... are more rhetorical, dude. More okay, rhetorical. good. Just, because... pick something, just pick something. <laughs> 
Uh, look, I think Maryland are not very good. And from what we saw week one, they're not heading in the right direction. So for mine, Minnesota... Genius. That is some great analysis, mate. You would make a good bricklayer with analysis. Minnesota like that. are going to clean up in this one. Uh, they're, yeah. they're going to bounce back in a big way uh, over this Maryland team. Uh, it's all the money has been put on Minnesota too. So you're right. I, I am with the masses in this one. I'm not breaking any new ground. The, yeah. Who's who's playing quarterback at Maryland? Do they Are they going with uh, Tagovailoa? We get to keep saying that. Yeah. <laughs> he saw a little bit of action on the weekend, but it appears to be a bit split at this stage. Like, uh, they've got that true, we have no idea who our quarterback is and we're, we're just going to throw some dudes out there and try and get it something working for us. I think this one could be ugly. Uh, Minnesota's... Burning up clock on this shit game. Minnesota will win comfortably. Okay, Michigan and Michigan State do battle. That is a rivalry. I don't know what it's called. Does it have a name? You know shit like this. Is that Paul Bunyan's uh, axe or is that something else? No, isn't that Wisconsin... Michigan... No, no. Was that La? I don't know. One of the Big Ten ones. <laughs> no, it's not either of those two teams. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Google that one for us. Actually, I'll get this. Michigan and Nebraska? Someone? No, it's not Michigan. Don't know. It's the Minnesota-Wisconsin game. Missing so the right. Minnesota None Wisconsin. of these teams. Yeah, okay. Um, I was going to say, it's someone that probably shouldn't have won it, but did last year. Anyway, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan will win this one easily. Uh, Michigan State, ugh, they might be the worst team in the Big Ten. I don't know. I'm not... I won't follow this one. Uh, see, this this is what catches me, because their rivalry here is played for a guy who's on, like... is a full lumberjack with a big fucking axe... That's Paul Bunyan. Yeah. But it's not but it's not the like it's the Paul Bunyan trophy or something, is it? Yeah, so my it is. The Paul Bunyan trophy. My yeah, bad. My bad. <laughs> Dude, it's not the axe. Christ. It's not the axe. That's ridiculous. Oh look, I um it's it's tough to argue that point for whatever reason. I have a better feeling about Michigan State this week. I think they are going to show more life than what Maryland did in well, bouncing back. No, I hope so. <laughs> in this one. Well, I, I just think Minnesota roll on where this one may be a little closer than some are expecting. Okay, Purdue go to Illinois. And Purdue go into this one favourites, I'm assuming, and have got to be confident. Get excited, Boilermaker fans. Uh, yeah, I... I just am picking Purdue minus the points here, probably. I don't really know where it's at, but I'm not confident, but give me the Boilermakers. Give me that yeah. giant drum. Yeah, so they're, they're a touchdown favorite in this one, and it is always the way that when you have a team like this who <laughs> don't really know what they're doing out in front. Week one. Yeah, they kind of yeah. start looking around, and it's... It has me concerned. So I like uh, the fighting Illini in this one. Oh, I don't. Um, that defense was rough. And their offense was even worse. Um, Peters at quarterback was sacked regularly. Their offensive line was terrible. Uh, they can be thrown on. They play a lot of cover two, which is somewhat dated in college football now um they were exposed up the middle against uh wisconsin and they had a quarterback that scored what three touchdowns uh through those seamers i think purdue are going to spread them out too far and do things easily in this one is Jeff Brom going to be back in action for this one? Not sure, actually. Haven't heard an update on that. I think he, he could be back as well as Rondale Moore. Uh, yes, in yeah, I believe you're right. So, I mean, those, those are pretty big injections too. And I'm also seeing that Purdue have won six of its last seven games at Illinois. They own that backyard <laughs> there. So, Well, it's not like, far to go. I'm, All right, uh, I'm, Wisconsin. I'm kind of stepping back from my, my statement there. <laughs> Wisconsin face Nebraska without Graham Mertz in this one and against a defense that is a little bit better than the bad that they were last year, which was sort of already mentioned. Wisconsin weren't exactly lighting things up on the ground in week one. So under Big Ten protocol, you've got to have 20 days, is it? 21. In the big, 21 days in the Big Ten. So Graham Mertz is definitely out, which means they're down to QB3. Now, in, for whiskey, 
that could spell a little bit of danger because this Nebraska defense, which got smoked last week, admittedly, but late, uh, sorry, all throughout last year, particularly in the passing game, is now going to be able to go against a quarterback who's going to be playing their first game. They don't have a run game, Wisconsin. I still think they're the better team, don't get me wrong, and they'll out-talent them and bully them probably up front. But, oh, God, this this could get a little bit nervy for Wisconsin at some stage, I think. I 100% agree. I think Nebraska... Yes, they had a rough opener, but they played Ohio State. Anyone who was coming up against them week one were in line for a rough opener. I, uh, this is a, a different beast that they're coming up against, a team with their third quarterback who you've mentioned on a couple of occasions run game was depleted. I still think that's what they're going to lean on. I still think that's going mm. to be good because it's Wisconsin and that's what they fucking do. Yep. So I, I expect them to still be able to move the ball, but I think Nebraska can get away a little. I think Martinez uh, has shown across his career there that he is alive live wire a playmaker he has been up and down and, and, and that's why they haven't time last week as well like they the... were hustling in i can't remember the other guy um but yeah they was they were splitting time at qb there absolutely but he has it in him to pull out a result like this to, yeah. to really kind of go off and, and show something here so whilst that's the case and uh the Cornhuskers are playing at home in this one i think this could be a good matchup and one that i'll certainly be dialing into Okay, Indiana go to Rutgers. I'm sorry, number 17 in the country, Indiana, go to Rutgers. I don't think Indiana are very good. I I mean, I don't say very good. They're not bad, but they're not great. They got lucky with a lot of short fields, turnovers, put them in good position. They struggled to move the ball outside of one possession against Penn State. So let's just calm down on Indiana. Yeah, they went and won the game. Don't get me wrong, but they got outgained. They pretty much got beaten all over the field except on the scoreboard. So, And then you've got Rutgers who went and beat Michigan State. I don't know what any of this means. Again, if I'm a betting man, I'm steering well clear of this one um, because you've got two teams in a classic letdown spot for both of them. <laughs> so this game could just be like a, a three to nine nightmare or something like that. Yeah, the, the Indiana jump up into 17 seems like the biggest overreach yeah. we've seen all year. Like I'm taking... Yeah both Marshall and Coastal Carolina to comfortably beat the Hoosiers. Like, they're good teams who haven't lost yet. The disrespect they've had of being straight jumped there, I think it's because they didn't want Penn State to slide too far and Indiana had to come in above them. So I kind of feel that a bit, but no, you fucked up. Penn State shouldn't have been that high. Stop disrespecting the teams that have played five games and won all of them. It's ridiculous. They... Yeah, maybe put him in ahead of USC because they haven't played yet. That's fine. But I feel there's a bit of disrespect for those uh, group of five teams there. I don't like it. I would argue, though, that you steer clear from betting on this one because yeah. I'm with you. It's fucking weird. Take the, one, take the underdog. Just bet them to win. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Northwestern take on Iowa. That's the Northwestern team that won by 40 points last week. Iowa were rough against Purdue. Uh, you know, missing receivers downfield, drop balls, um, bad accuracy on passes, a defense that normally is well-organized, and they had 10 penalties, and that is not Iowa football. If they get that ironed out, I think they probably manage Northwestern okay, but uh, a rough start for Iowa, and we talked about last week, you know, are some of the issues that they had over the season going to show up? And maybe they did. Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, what is Iowa football? Racism. Uh, we're we're. <laughs> I think this will be a decent matchup. I'm excited to see this because I don't think we know much about either of these teams yet, and we can learn. So when we look across this six o'clock time slot, and we've spoken about a lot of these games already, but that Wisconsin Nebraska one, there's enough intrigue there. We've got LSU Auburn that we're going to touch on soon. You've got this Northwestern Iowa game and the Texas Oklahoma State game. All of that is, you know, there's there's a bit happening there and one of those is certainly going to go off. So get the multi-screen going for this Saturday, uh, Sunday morning. I'm really liking the looks of those. Okay, we'll skip over Conference USA. Mountain West, not too many 
big matchups in this one, but I'm going to keep a close eye on Hawaii at Wyoming. Hawaii won last week at Fresno, but they go back-to-back games on the road to start the season. Never an easy thing to do, but their quarterback, Shevin Cordero, is a good one. Can do a bit of everything on the ground and through the air. Had over 220 yards passing and over 100 yards on the ground as well. So he's a good piece. Um, but hopefully they can eke out a win versus the Bronx. So I'm assuming they're coming home between games, right? Like they've got to study and stuff. They go to school. That's, yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah, I guess. That's a fucking lot of travel miles, isn't it? Yeah. Well, often I found like Hawaii play a lot of home games early in the year. And I don't know why that is. I don't know what that would possibly be about. But they seem to play a lot of home games early. Anyway doesn't matter they need to get a win in back-to-back road games let's head across to the sec i don't have great takes on a lot of this so because i don't think any of the games are that great georgia at kentucky apparently you can beat kentucky at their own game which is what mizzou did last week georgia have the pieces to do that awesome defense they won't make too many mistakes uh, a running game that should be able to overpower the Wildcats. And I don't see really a world in which Kentucky are going to be able to overpower, manage, somehow hold up offensively and defensively as well against Georgia. Yeah, I, I, could, I am concerned for Kentucky's ability to score points in this game. So mm-hmm. that's that's been the script for Georgia all year. I see that continuing and Georgia having a comfortable victory in this one. LSU at Auburn. I'm staying away from this one as a punter as well. I would not want to pick a winner here. I've really got no idea. I think LSU go in as favorites. I'm not a believer in either of them, but I'm going to talk about them later on. So any great takes about Auburn, an LSU defense that's spotty um, and an offense that looked better uh, from their backup quarterback than their starter. No, I mean, this is the hat trick of teams that have lost their shine across the year and, and probably aren't ones that you're going after and trying to get around to, to watch now because they have been disappointing and inconsistent. I think it's the inconsistency that's the key theme here. And we've seen it from both programs. Their good and their bad is just so far dispersed that you don't know what to back in this. So from a gambling standpoint, yeah, it's, it's tough to get around. And I think the LSU team has, has really bounced back. Oh, sorry, fallen down hard from, from what we saw last year. Uh, but they do have that good grace of coming off of a national championship. The, the Auburn coaching staff, I truly believe, are kind of fighting for their careers almost every week. So I almost give them the nod in this one, just purely on the back of that. Okay, wow. Well, if we, um, who was I looking at last week? TJ Finley, he was the dude, monster human being playing quarterback last week for LSU. So we expect Miles Brennan to come back into the game and, uh, you know, and lead them in that quarterback position. I'll get to this game a little bit more later on, but let's push on. Uh, Old Miss at Vandy, nothing really to report there. Old Miss will do that one okay, although again, it probably wouldn't surprise me to see Vanderbilt win that one. Alabama will crush Mississippi State. And then the two best matchups of the week in the SEC. Unfortunately, they're both played at the favorite's home. So Arkansas, who are, again, borderline competent here, head to Kyle Field to take on Texas A&M and Missouri go to Florida. Now, that Florida didn't play last week because they were postponed. Missouri come off the back of a couple of different wins, Kentucky and LSU. Can they go into Gainesville and win that or can Arkansas head to Kyle Field and beat Texas A&M? Look, I don't hate the Arkansas call. Uh, that's purely just around what Arkansas are bringing to the table and the fact that they've been a very good or competitive team this year. I still think there's probably a little bit of Texas A&M disrespect on your end. Uh, Yes, the number eight ranking maybe feels a little high uh, from what we've seen and and how easily they were handled by Alabama. But they obviously had their big victory uh, over Florida. 
and I think they continue to roll. The fact that they're at home, as you mentioned, in both of these matchups really leans into those teams. But certainly optimism for both Arkansas and Missouri and the fact that we're not skipping over this game. There's something mm. to be had here and, and both of those programs are trending in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think Sam Pittman's a good coach, massive human being. And Texas A&M are going to be needing to run the ball a little bit. And Arkansas play pretty good defense. They're going to hang around. Uh, Felipe Franks has been okay at the quarterback position. So I, I don't think they're a pushover. And if Texas A&M are 5% off... This one's going to be a little bit tight. They're getting 12 and a half points, which uh, is, this is one of those ones that like when they win by two touchdowns, you're like, yeah, that probably seems right. When Arkansas get it within three points, you're like, yeah, well, that probably seemed right as well. So not an easy one to set the line at here, I don't think. Um, Missouri and Florida... Your boy, Basilak, Connor Basilak, can he do enough against the... F- I think he can. Florida's defense sucks, especially against the pass. We saw Missouri beat LSU in a shootout. We saw them control the ground game against Kentucky. I don't know what the deal is here. You're probably going shootout because Florida will score points. I, you know, can Connor Basilak back it up and can Missouri really push Florida? I think so. I actually think this one's going to be pretty exciting. Oh, so that is that our your chaos game of the week? Can we, can no, we have did, that one No, I pick earlier. I picked something else that was... Oh, yeah, actually, let's double... Di- oh, Missouri aren't going to do it again, though. I need another one. I think because we're out of games, mate. I know we are out of games, aren't we? <laughs> I am going to go... I'm going to go Texas, Oklahoma State. Yuck. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe in anything I'm saying at this point. All right, let's get into our championship draft. Um, I have got a little bit of money in the bank. I've got Clemson at one, Ohio State at four. Don't know where they're at. Three now. Three. So I'm looking pretty. Um, I've only got $2 in the bank. I've got uh, the Thundering Herd Marshall, who probably go undefeated in Conference USA from this point on. So... I'll probably stick with them for a while and, and see how far that little pony can take me. But I've only got $2 in the bank, so I'm going to continue to try and make some money out of the unranked. And against my better judgment, I'm going with Auburn. Auburn, yuck. That's a disgusting pick. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. But there's not a lot else to choose from. The the rest of the unranked are either on bye weeks, are in the Pac-12, or are going to lose. So, um, okay. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I am also going an unranked pick Ooh, this wow. week. I thought so you'd I be do... selling the farm here to get Alabama. How many uh, more dollars do you need? Because that's uh, where you're moving towards. Well, I, I do need the three bucks to get up to Alabama, or two one dollar, sorry, to get up to Alabama. I got twenty three in the bank. They're obviously at twenty four dollars, but they're not going anywhere. Like they're not moving up. They're not moving. Like you're not buying them out from underneath me. You've got no fucking money. You're not selling one of your teams to to buy well, them I might. out. Well, and if you do, I that's great. I'll just grab the one. I'll just down. grab the one you're buying. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with that. But uh, for mine, I think I've got a bit of time up my sleeve there. Next week's going to be the big decision for me when Notre Dame come up against Clemson, whether uh, either us uh, decide to move out of that position or not. That'll be interesting. But for for mine, I'm grabbing Northwestern. <laughs> I've put my eggs in that basket, so... Northwestern, Northwestern. had a really, really good opener, uh, and they've got a really good schedule this year. I'm, I'm not sure if you've looked at it, but they miss most of the heavy hitters in the Big Ten. Uh, and after this week, yes, they do have Wisconsin on the horizon. Well, sorry, they're at Iowa, then they've got Nebraska, Purdue, at Wisconsin, uh, and then Michigan State, Minnesota, and Illinois. They could be in the money by then if they go five and one or six and one, whatever. Absolutely, it is, I, I think they're a good shout. So I'm going to grab them uh, in the hopes that they win most of their games in conference. Well, there you go. You know what I should have done? I should have sold a high state and bought Alabama. That's what I should have done. That's what I well, done. let's let's see how that uh, plays out the rest of the year, my friend. Let's move this one along. I feel like it's bold prediction time. It is bold. Look at you. It is bold prediction time. Kick us off. What have you got for us? So you're still not moving in with a sweet soundbite for me yet? Uh, yeah, I've got one for you. 
That's all I got, dude. I yeah, got nothing. Right. Yeah, we need to work. We haven't heard it this week. He was okay. Yes, Joe Nick. Sorry. Uh, okay, my bold prediction. Uh, I'm going in the SEC. Uh, I think I've been fairly SEC heavy with my bold predictions, but yeah. my title this week is, and you said we can't defense. So... <laughs> Uh, the top three teams in the SEC this week uh, in Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M are coming up against Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Arkansas. And I am saying that bet- across those games, they're going to keep those three teams under a combined 21 points. Oh, that's good gear. I thought you were going to say like under like 40 points or something. No, no, like, no. Really? I mean, so Mississippi State have been averaging 18 points a game, mainly propped up by that first win. The rest yeah, has been yeah. pretty terrible. Uh, Kentucky been averaging 24 and a half and Arkansas averaging 23. So, so you're I'm a touchdown average across... A, a combined 21 points. That's impressive. Yeah, that's a good shout. Okay. I like it. I am also going into the SEC, and apparently I've got a bit of a love affair with Auburn this week, um, but I, this is called My Worst Nightmare, and my bold prediction is that I will watch the Auburn LSU game. <laughs> no, uh, there's a bit more than that. There's a bit more than that to it. I'm going to say that the, uh, currently the over-under sits at 64.5 points. I am going to say that either both teams score less than 40 or both teams score 90 or more. So 45 each. So either both teams score less than 20 points each or both teams score more than 45 points each. So there's a big chunk in the middle there that I'm going to say they won't fall into. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. What happens if one team goes over and the other team goes under? Uh, then it's in that middle bracket. So no, so I need that's both no teams. I need both teams to score less than twenty, or both teams to score more than forty-five. Okay, interesting. So you no, have no I- no idea what's going to exactly. happen in that game. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, cool. it's going to be a scoreless draw or a shootout. Okay, let's get into on the punt, which I definitely do have a sound for. Will so let's get into it. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. We need a new sound drop for that because no, that we is don't. not. I like no, it. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Where? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not bringing much money with me, but <laughs> I think we need to keep the optimism up with this. Otherwise, we'll lose the fans. I'm assuming yeah, okay. they're still on board. Yeah, we we yeah. haven't lost them here. Uh, but this week, I I'm gonna I'm gonna need your help. I'm, I'm reaching okay. out, my friend. I'm not too not too big a man to acknowledge that doing things myself hasn't quite gone uh, the way that I'm hoping. So I'm going to get some help this week. Uh, I have kind of set up the, the framework here. So I just need yeah. your input into how we're going. But essentially... No, I haven't heard any of this, by the way. So this, no, I, mean, I don't hear not. much of anything that you prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I have seven uh, upsets that I have that I think can happen oh, at different yeah. odds. And I need you to tell me which ones I should hold on to and which ones I should give up on. Okay. Right. Of the seven. So if you throw them all confident. away, I'm not going to be happy, but... I'm not confident in any of these this week, to be honest. I, I like, get you, but I guess when we're talking not confident, all I want from you is like, yeah, that's a that's a coin flip game because we're getting better than coin flip odds. So that's what I'm looking okay. for. All okay. right. So no. my first one is uh, Cincinnati and Memphis. So we're getting 280 odds there for Memphis. Uh, I mean, Memphis beat UCF. It's in Cincinnati. Memphis. What did Memphis do last week? Mate, I'm not prepared for this. I I would say that one is okay, I think. We're going to hold I on don't to love it. You've got a good defense. Right. I'll, I'll, right. I'll, I'll push on that. Let's, let's hit... That's in the maybe pile. That's definitely... Yes, then. All right, next okay. one. Northwestern over Iowa. So, Northwestern on the road. Yeah. Oh... They're only slight underdog, so it's two dollars ten. But I feel good about this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, Northwestern. Yep. We'll hold on that. Cool. Uh, I'm going Vanderbilt at home against Mississippi. Five dollars forty. Those are big odds. Uh, and and Vandy, I can see this happening. Vandy can't score, dude. No. They do struggle, but they are going no. like they they get a few SEC wins. This feels like one of them this year. Playing at home. 
Uh, Derek Mason, Does it? the head you boy You need Matt there. Corral to throw nine interceptions, which, which could he's happen. capable of doing. Exactly <laughs> right. And I you're getting that. like significant odds. I think this one is less likely, yes, but $5.40 is... Oof. That doesn't mean you should do it. No. Like the odds and are guess longer that's for I'm that buying. reason. That's how gambling works, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Thoughts? Am I keeping that one or am I removing it? Burn that. Get rid of that. Okay, when that gets in, I'm going to be really upset. Uh, <laughs> Texas A&M and Arkansas. So, four bucks for that. I'd take Arkansas to cover. I, I don't think they're going to win outright. I think outright? Texas A&M, no. So Texas A&M are two. Remove that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rutgers over Indiana, $3.85. Oh. Good odds Yeah, there. I don't hate that. I, for, I don't like gambling on the Big Ten, like I said, early this in the season. I don't think Indiana showed that much last week. I also don't think Rutgers are very good. Like, let's calm down. This was a team that hadn't won a game in the Big Ten for 21 tries. So I'm probably going to say no. Don't bet on Rutgers. So we're, we're removing the $3.85 Rutgers one? Yes. We're not yeah. getting much odds or value out of you here, mate. Well, I'm, no. I'm looking for something rough, but okay, that's fine. Uh, we've got Auburn and LSU. So Auburn, uh, $2.20 under. Yes, I would take... Well, I don't know who the favourite is, but I would take whatever the other team is because okay. I clearly so have got no idea. On so we'll one. go with Auburn in that one. And then Syracuse against Wake Forest, $3.70. Uh, Syracuse at home. You've got a bit of a love affair for Syracuse. I know we I, talked about weird. that in our other yeah. episodes, but um, I... I like Wake this year, so I'm going to say no to that one as well. I can see why you would like. I think that's a uh, that's that's a coin flip. I can see why you would like that. I don't because I like Wake Forest, but okay. I can see so why you would go Syracuse. I've ended up with the three shortest odds here, so you've really gone out on a limb here, and I don't think you quite understand how this works, but that's fine. <laughs> I obviously don't know how this works, and the results certainly show that. But that has left me with Memphis beating Cincinnati, which I don't feel great about. Northwestern beating Iowa, which is almost a line ball call, but that's cool. And Auburn beating LSU, which again, quite tight, but um, we'll we'll have a look at that. Well, give me... like If you gave me some time, I could have done some prep. I like to look at teams that are doubling down on the road. I like to look at teams that are have got good defenses or that feel a little bit nervy. Like for me, I think I'd, I'd be having a look at that Virginia Tech Louisville game or even Virginia, North Carolina um, and seeing what, what's going on there. But anyway, or Texas, Oklahoma State is also another one that I think could go pear-shaped. Why not go that one? I'd, in fact, I'd take Texas to beat Oklahoma State. Give me that. I will not. Okay, yay. All right, this has been a fucking super long episode and super flat. Why does it feel like I've been sitting here for fucking hours with your fucking in the dark, giving me nothing? Pretty standard uh, episode length here, my friend, but it's certainly time for us to wrap it up. I've enjoyed my time here. Apparently you haven't, but uh, everyone have a wonderful weekend of college football. I'm looking forward to it. Go Pokes. Uh, See you next time. Is that how we do this? No, you dickhead. All right, make sure you hit us up on all the social medias, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook as well, at CFB Down Under. Get in touch, have a chat. We've got a few bits and pieces coming up. We need to catch up soon, Will, for our mid-season because we are mid-season-ish at this point. We're going to have a chat about our mid-season review and recap as the Big Ten is in week two. Um, But we might talk all things our love affairs. So we will do that. We've also got a couple of other bits and pieces coming up. We haven't talked about this too much more on air, but we do have some stuff we would like to engage with our listeners a fraction more on a particular Sunday morning. So that is coming up as well. Um, I'm also going to start, I haven't told you about this, Will, but I'm going to start looking for interviews and we're going to be in touch with a few people around the game of college football as well. So lots of things on the horizon for us. But in the meantime, do enjoy the rest of your week and all of your college football weekend. My name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.
about that grind now, my friend. We have.